Greetings, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Stuff We Love podcast. For this episode, Jack and Scott will be discussing their recent Florida trips, and we will, of course, have our very popular Stuff We Love segment. Let's meet the hosts. I'm Joe. I'm Jack. And I'm Scott, and you're listening to the Stuff We Love podcast. Welcome to Stuff We Love podcast. Now, Scott and Jack were both recently in Florida for different trips. Let's hear them uh, take you through some of their highlights. Thank you, Joe. So I wanted to focus on certain highlights from my trip, beginning with a special thank you to my good friend, Dean. He is from Adventures Out There Travel. They were the company I used to help me plan my vacation. You can reach him on Twitter at CT underscore Mickey underscore man. Uh, he's on there, and uh, I know him and a few of the agents from the company, and they're all really great people. So thank you, Dean, for all of your help. I'll begin by talking about the Art of Animation Resort, where I stayed for two nights at the beginning of my trip. I stayed in the Finding Nemo Suites, which are not enormous. People think suite, and they think large room. It was certainly larger than your average room, but I wouldn't say it was tremendously big. Uh, the Art of Animation Resort is considered by Disney to be a value moderate combo resort, although with the prices you pay, I kind of put it into the moderate deluxe category because it is quite expensive. The Nemo Suite gave you a bedroom, separate living room, not a full kitchen, but I guess close to it, no washer and dryer, and two bathrooms. So that sounds like a lot, but it was in a rather condensed space. Uh, it was a fine hotel. Uh, I didn't find the bed to be particularly comfortable. I thought the theming was well done. But the one thing that was really weird to me, and I want your guys' reactions to this, is that in the Art of Animation Resort, there are four themed areas that you could have a room in. You could stay in the Finding Nemo area, the Lion King area, Cars area, or the Little Mermaid area. And in the rest of the hotel, every animated film that they focus on is one of those four films, despite the fact that Disney, since its creation, has had dozens and dozens of classic animated movies. And I thought to myself, it's very weird. I understand why they have to cap it in terms of four areas of themed rooms. But in the entire resort, no Cinderella, no Snow White, no Aladdin, no even something recent like Frozen. What do you guys think about that? This seems like the perfect kind of hotel where they would have almost like a museum for animation and, and Disney history. You know, you could have animation cells on the walls and uh, going back, you know, now almost 100 years, basically, mm -hmm. uh, to show this this kind of thing off. And just the fact they don't have it. I mean, I understand it's a value resort. You're not going to expect, you know, top quality, you know, hand-drawn Walt Disney things. But even so, there, I, I feel like there should be something there to recognize the history, not just those four movies. Those are great movies, of course, and I guess they're, I'm sure they've done a lot of market research to see what's popular, but that's not what I would think is going to be at the Art of Animation Resort at Walt Disney World. The, uh, if you stayed there and didn't know anything about Disney, you would think they've only made four movies. <laughs> so <laughs> that was kind of strange to me. But that's the first thing I'll say about my trip. Art of Animation Resort, I liked it. I did not love it. Uh, for our first dinner, we ate at the Four Seasons Hotel in Orlando, which is located inside Walt Disney World. This hotel, if you've done any research into it, you know that it's extremely expensive to stay there. The Four Seasons is the highest level of hotel quality there is. To get to the hotel, you actually enter the Golden Oak Complex, which is the complex of homes that people actually live in within Disney World. It's extremely beautiful, and it's one of those places where it's hard to believe that you're actually driving through it. The Four Seasons Hotel was absolutely beautiful, as you would expect. 
the service, even for people like us who were just going there for dinner, was unbelievable. The level of detail and the directions they gave us in terms of how to get to the restaurant, the kindness of the staff at the restaurant we ate at, which was called Ravello, which was an Italian restaurant. Um, not the type of Italian food like chicken parm, chicken marsala, that type of thing, but a little bit more... I wouldn't say I wouldn't use the word exotic, but not entirely mainstream Italian. But the food was absolutely delicious. Many people probably don't even think of eating there on their Disney World vacation because it's not in one of the parks or one of the Disney-owned hotels. But I highly recommend Ravello at Four Seasons. It was a great start to our uh, vacation. Uh, then we've talked about this before on the podcast. So I won't delve too much into it again, but we ended up the next night having dinner at the Toothsome Chocolate Factory and Savory Feast Kitchen located at Universal City Walk. As you might expect, this was good as always. I had the fried chicken sandwich again. It was delicious. I had the Chocolate Times 5 milkshake. This was not a healthy meal, uh, but it was just great. I encourage everybody that visits the Orlando area, as we've talked about before, to go to this restaurant. If you like chocolate and you like ice cream, this is the place to go. That was the beginning of our trip in Orlando. What we did next was drive to Pensacola, Florida to visit family. Uh, we stayed for three nights at the Hotel Margaritaville, which is located in Pensacola. Now, that is about a six and a half hour drive from Orlando, so it's not very close. Uh, hotel Margaritaville was a very nice hotel. It was Jimmy Buffett themed, as you would expect. It had a very much of a beach theme in there. It was, I wouldn't call it a fancy hotel, but I would call it a nice hotel. So it's not Four Seasons fancy, but it certainly is extremely well kept. The room that we had, which was a standard room, was the largest standard room I've ever seen at any hotel. It was enormous, and we had an ocean view. So it was absolutely great to wake up in the morning, open up the blinds, and see the Gulf of Mexico right there. And at night, we would sit on our balcony and have some food and a drink and just listen to the ocean waves. It was quite relaxing. Uh, so great beach views was a big plus of the hotel. I did not really care for the pool at the hotel. Uh, it was a little small to me, and I actually had one of the staff members there acknowledge that at the Hotel Margaritaville in Hollywood, Florida, which I will be going to later this year, there are actually multiple pools that are much bigger. So when I was swimming at the pool at the hotel in Pensacola, I was thinking to myself, this is nice and comfortable, and you see the ocean from the pool, but it's not that big. Uh, there were good food options at the hotel, though. You could eat at a restaurant called Frank and Lola's, which is named after a Jimmy Buffett song in which he sings about a couple taking a second honeymoon to Pensacola, which is why that was the restaurant in the hotel. And they had a lot of to-go food service as well. They had a bar by the pool, just as you would expect. And as I mentioned earlier, good theming tied to Jimmy Buffett. Uh, so, guys, have you ever stayed at or been in a Hotel Margaritaville? I haven't, actually. I've heard of a lot of people who have gone to the one in Hollywood, Florida, who have <laughs> enjoyed it. Um, but not Pensacola, but Scott, what do you think of Pensacola itself, the town? Is it, is it a tourist town or, uh, is it just like a beach hotel and then you move on? Here's the way I would describe it. Uh, it is a good place to visit for a couple of days. Uh, I had already been there a few years ago and they have an enormous Naval Aviation Museum, which I went to and that was absolutely amazing. Uh, if, you, if you're interested in the military and interested in aviation, the planes they have on display were great. They actually have there, if I'm correct about this, the Marine One helicopter that President Nixon rode in when he left the White House for the final time. So they have that. They have a Bob Hope exhibit, which is really cool. But I had already done that, so I wasn't going to do that again. 
Uh, you have the city of Pensacola, which is cool because it's New Orleans-type theming with the French Quarter decor on the streets. That's good for a little bit. There are some cool shops there and all of that. Uh, they have the beach. Then they have Pensacola Beach. And it's nice. They have a little boardwalk area. A uh, couple good restaurants. I ate at a place called the Grand Marlin, which was really good. Uh, but to me, this is just personal preference. I wouldn't go there for more than a couple of days. There are people that vacation there, particularly from the Gulf area. A lot of people come in from the Gulf Coast of Florida, Alabama, Louisiana, and so forth. But uh, while I like it, I, I didn't love it, although the water was beautiful and the white sand beaches are nice. Uh, they, If you're interested in minor league baseball, they have a Cincinnati Reds AA affiliate, and their stadium has actually won several polls as the either the nicest or one of the nicest minor league baseball stadiums. So that's an interesting fact as well. And then, of course, they have the Blue Angels. The uh, I guess that's a naval aviation yep. division, and uh, that's really cool too. An interesting fact about Pensacola I was reading is that is where Neil Armstrong and John Glenn trained for their space missions. So, oh, Very cool. That was cool. That was cool. So after Pensacola, we returned to Disney World, and this is when we began what I would call our traditional Disney World vacation. We stayed seven nights in a one-bedroom villa at the Animal Kingdom Lodge, and I'll take you now through some highlights of the Animal Kingdom Lodge. Uh, I had visited there but never stayed there before. Uh, first, let's start with the lobby. It's breathtaking. It reminds me a lot of the Wilderness Lodge lobby in Walt Disney World. You walk in, high ceilings, Cool theming. It's uh, African artwork throughout the lobby. Amazingly attentive staff from the people working the cars out front to the front desk and so forth. And then if you proceed to the back of the lobby, they have a savanna area where you could see animals. There were giraffes, zebras, and other animals that I don't know what they were, but they were there. Uh, and you could observe them, take pictures, and get pretty close to them. Uh, that was fascinating and really, really cool. Um, the... Two restaurants I ate in at the Animal Kingdom Lodge were Sanaa and Boma. So Animal Kingdom Lodge is divided into two parts. There's Jumbo House, which is the main building. That's where I stayed. And then in the back of the property, there is a smaller complex known as Kadani Village. That is where Sanaa is located. I believe the theming of the food there is Ethiopian-inspired. Uh, I had a uh, chicken dish, which was very good. Uh, but the, what they're really known for and what every table got is what they call their bread service. They would come with different types of non-bread and multiple dipping sauces, some of them spicy, some of them non-spicy. And th the non-bread was soft and warm. It was just great. I really, really love that. Uh, and Boma, we went to their breakfast buffet there. They had traditional breakfast dishes and also African-inspired breakfast dishes. Really good place. Definitely one of the better breakfast buffets I've been to on Disney World property. Uh, the pool at Animal Kingdom Lodge is one pool. They don't have smaller pools like some of the other hotels. I'm not sure if I'm right about this, but I thought I heard it was the largest pool at a Disney World hotel. Uh, whether or not that's true, the pool is enormous. There's a water slide there, which is a lot of fun. Uh, we went night swimming one night, which was great to be in the pool at 10 o'clock. It's still pretty humid at that time. The pool was packed. We had a wonderful evening. Uh, I was there with my wife for our anniversary. We let the hotel know we were there celebrating our anniversary, and we came home one night to find a Mickey-shaped chocolate mousse cake in the fridge, which was tremendous and very good. I took a bite of it, not expecting it to be good, and I couldn't believe what I was eating. So that was nice. Um, Jack, I know you've stayed at one-bedroom villas in Disney World before over at the Boardwalk, so this was my first time doing it. Uh, I loved it. 
it's very hard to stay in anything but a one-bedroom villa going forward. You had a full kitchen, washer and dryer, table. We had a balcony running the length of the hotel room, separate bedroom, two Samsung flat-screen TVs. Each of them must have been at least 50 inches. Enormous bathroom with a great tub and shower with uh, jets in the tub to create bubbles and all that stuff. I loved the room that came stocked with glasses and dishes and all that stuff. Uh, so, Jack, uh, before I finish talking about Animal Kingdom Lodge, tell me your thoughts about staying at a one-bedroom villa in Disney World and how it changes the vacation. For sure. You said it well. Once you stay in you know, the, the villa, it's kind of hard to transition back to a typical hotel room just because of all the different uh, offerings that it has, you know, including the, the kitchen, the washer-dryer, which makes it super easier. You don't have to bring as many clothes, obviously. And then also in terms of the kitchen, like you save a ton of money just by, you know, having breakfast or dinner in the room one night. And you have yeah. the ability to, although it is a little bit expensive, you can go down, I know, at the boardwalk to the store they have down there, which also is like it's a convenience store. It's also a little shop, uh, also a little bakery. And you can buy, you know, all the groceries you need for the room, which is what we do at the beginning of the trip. We yeah. used to actually ship food down just because you saved a lot of money doing that. But then it became like a bunch of years. It would get all wet. And then, you know, it, it really wasn't the same. But it makes it super convenient having the kitchen and stuff. And like you said, the, especially if you're traveling with a family, the rooms are just so spread out and it gives everyone a really appropriate amount of space. So it, it makes the trip uh, a little bit more enjoyable if you have uh, the villa. Yeah, and you're right. If you go down, even if you get food for breakfast, let's say, at the Disney Resort and eat it in your room, it's it's more expensive than if you just went to Dunkin' Donuts or something. But it is way less expensive than if you went to a character breakfast or any other meal in a restaurant on property. So mm. I love that. The final thing I'll say about Animal Kingdom Lodge is that it's kind of set back on the property. It's near the Animal Kingdom uh, Park. Uh, you're not really close to Magic Kingdom or Epcot, which is a drawback and a positive. It's a drawback because it takes some extra time to get to those parks. But it's a positive because you're removed from some of the busyness that is over there at those other park hotel areas. But to me, the Animal Kingdom Lodge is a unique hotel, and it's just another great place to stay when visiting Disney World, I would definitely stay there again. And Joe, I know that uh, I FaceTimed you when I was there and was showing you the hotel and you were blown away by it. I was I was stunned. It was it was a great room. I would love to stay there. Yeah. So the next thing I'll mention is uh, just something unique that I never experienced at Disney World before. I was looking for the Grand Floridian Hotel and I made a wrong turn into the Contemporary Resort and the security guard there directed me to the Grand Floridian on a road that took you behind the Magic Kingdom. So I was able to see the Magic Kingdom from a perspective that I had never seen it before, the backside of the park, and you got a little bit of a sense about the behind the scenes working of the park, which was really unique. I had heard on another podcast that that was something fun to do and I was glad I got to experience that. Next thing I'll say is for the first time in Disney World, I had eaten there before in Las Vegas, I went to the Rainforest Cafe. Uh, Disney World has two Rainforest Cafes, one at Disney Springs and one at Animal Kingdom Park. Uh, we went to the one at Animal Kingdom Park. Uh, the f it's not amazing food, but I will say that I was pleasantly surprised for what is really a chain restaurant. I thought the food was a little bit of a higher quality. It was very hot, so I wanted something refreshing. I had a Chinese chicken salad. It was delicious. And our waiter, whose name was Guillermo, uh, was one of the best waiters I've ever had in my life. I told him when I ordered, I wanted an iced water and an iced tea and to just keep them coming because I was so hot from walking through the park. And he literally kept the drinks coming on a regular basis. I think I had five of each of those. <laughs> so I thank Guillermo for his attentiveness. Uh, so I'll give you one negative from the trip. We went one day to the Be Our Guest restaurant when we were in the Magic Kingdom. We went there for lunch. Uh, this 
was a, a terrible restaurant, I have to tell you. I, I did not like this place. Uh, I had heard amazing things about the way it looked, and I agree with that. Uh, from a visual perspective, it was a beautiful restaurant. It was themed, of course, based on the Beast's Castle from Beauty and the Beast. It was a quick service restaurant at lunch. So what they did was they had you wait in line for an extremely long time. You then went to a computer where you ordered your meal, and then a staff member would bring you the food. I ordered a French dip sandwich with, uh, I guess it was a side salad. And the food was overwhelmingly dry, not very good, not very visually appealing. And then while it did come with the gravy, it just was not good and it wasn't cheap because you're in the park, they have you and they could charge a ton of money. So I can tell you this, going forward, I will not be going to Be Our Guest Restaurant. Now, Jack, have you been there before? Yeah, we went to the Be Our Guest Restaurant like when it was first opened, like mm-hmm. when the whole area of that park was just opening. And when we went, it wasn't, I know you said you like placed an order on a, uh, a screen or something you yes. said, and then, and then you went and picked it up. When we did, it was just, maybe it was because we went for, for dinner. I don't know if you went for lunch or something, but mm-hmm. we went, it was more traditional. You know, you sat down, we were in the main, the main dining room and uh, it was similar to what you said. I don't think our food was a little bit better. Um, but I remember it being, maybe it was cause it was opening day. They put in, you know, extra effort, but it was, but I remember it was, you know, okay food, but the price was like you said, extremely expensive. And that, um, the only thing I remember really enjoying was, um, obviously the scenery, but also the dessert were really good. I, I remember they brought like this card around where you got to like pick one little cool, uh, dessert and it tasted, you know, really good. But, um, other than that, I agree with you. The food's definitely not that good and it's very expensive. So. Yeah, and Jack, uh, what they do for lunch is they have the uh, quick service food option, and if you go there for dinner, there's full waiter service. But I just can't justify spending that money again when there's so many other places to go. Continuing with my trip report here, I'll say a few things about what was one of the most memorable things I've ever done at Disney World. I attended with my brother uh, the after-hours event at the Magic Kingdom that was held this past Saturday night. That would be August 11th. Uh, what they do for a price, I think I paid $128 for the ticket. They keep the Magic Kingdom open from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. While they haven't released the official number of tickets they make available, I have repetitively seen the number 3,000 mentioned, which sounds like a lot, but if you've been to the Magic Kingdom, you know that 3,000 is really nothing and has no impact literally on the park whatsoever. Now, as I mentioned, this was from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m., A negative, I'll say, and it's the only negative associated with the night, is that at the 10 o'clock hour, there still was not really the benefit of being in the park having paid for the ticket. The park was still crowded. Firework shows were letting out. There still were waits for the ride filled with people who didn't have tickets to the event but were rushing to get in one last ride before going home. So I really didn't get on an attraction until around 11 o'clock. My brother and I went to Casey's Hot Dog uh, place, and he had a hot dog. I just kept him company. Uh, Then at 11 o'clock, we went on Splash Mountain. Uh, It was a walk-on, literally. You didn't have to stop once while waiting to board the ride. You just went right on. Uh, Those of you who have listened to the podcast before know that when it comes to rides, I'm a little bit of a wimp. Despite all my uh, trips to Disney World, I had never been on Splash Mountain because I traditionally don't like the dropping sensations that you get on rides. And I have to tell you, having ridden the ride now, having gone on it, I loved it. Uh, It will be an essential ride for me on every trip going forward. Uh, I've become better at dealing with drops on rides. And it was just a ton of fun. There's so much to see on that ride. The level of 
detail provided by the Imagineers is unmatched. Uh, and the drop is actually quite fun. I got soaked. My, Neil and I got were drenched leaving the ride. But it was just a ton of fun. And you get that memorable picture after the ride, which is always great. So that was my first time on Splash Mountain. And it was also my first time on the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, which was the last ride we did. And it was the only ride we had to wait for. It was about a 12-minute wait, even though they had a 25-minute wait time posted. It was okay. I liked it. It wasn't anything that blew me away. Um, entertaining and solid, but not anything really, really memorable. Uh, a couple of other highlights from the evening. I had done this before, but not for many years. I went on the Astro Orbiter at night, which was great. For those of you that don't know it, you take an elevator to, I guess, what is the third floor equivalent uh, in terms of height, and you board these mini spacecraft, and you rise up in the air, and you spin around Tomorrowland. And what makes that ride great at night is that it gives you these impeccable views of the Magic Kingdom. You see the castle lit up, Tomorrowland lit up, and all the way down to the Contemporary and Bay Lake Towers. Also, while we were waiting to board, the cast member working the attraction let my brother and I speak into the microphone and say, 3, 2, 1, blast off, initiating the ride for the people before us. So I felt like a cast member. Uh, She was very cool. Uh, That was a great moment. Uh, We also went right on Pirates of the Caribbean. No wait at all. Literally no one in the queue. We had the boat to ourselves. And when we walked to the ride, the cast members started screaming, oh, I got people coming. I got people coming. That's how empty it was. Uh, Because it was so empty, there were great photo opportunities. You had no people in the background. You were able to take as many pictures as you wanted. It was really, really great. Uh, And they also included in the price of the ticket was free food. You got free popcorn, free ice cream free sodas, and free waters. Now, you're still paying, if you don't have an annual pass, you're paying 128 I did have an annual pass. I didn't realize you get a discount, of course. But um, that seems like a lot of money, and it is a lot of money, but it's less than you pay for a Broadway show. It's less than you pay for a lot of types of entertainment today. So having done that, despite the fact that 10 o'clock it was still busy, I can tell you, if I'm there and they have that, I'm doing it every single trip because having battled the Disney World crowds during the day at the Magic Kingdom to be able to walk onto these attractions, you just can't beat it. So that was the after hours event. Do you guys have any questions on that or should I go on to the next thing? Do you Scott, do you know if they do that after hours event every night or is it every weekend or what's the schedule? It's not every night and not every weekend. They were doing it in uh July and August. They're not doing it, I believe, as of now when they have the uh Mickey's not so scary Halloween party kicking in. Uh, but they may return to it in the future. They've done it periodically, and it's usually on Saturday nights for a couple of months. Well, Mickey's Halloween party is an, an extra ticket as well. They're open till midnight that night, I believe. So yeah, that's you almost get the benefit of that as well. Yeah, we'll be doing that uh, in a few weeks, Joe. We're very excited about that. And there are some similarities in the sense that at that party, a lot of the rides are pretty much walk-ons as well or with less wait times than you normally have to encounter. So yeah. there are similarities in that sense. Next, I'll turn to uh, Disney Springs, and this will be the last thing that I'll really mention as part of my trip report uh, before I turn it over to Jack, where we'll both talk about Toy Story Land, and that's Disney Springs. Uh, if you've heard me on the podcast before, you follow me on Twitter, you know that I am a big Disney Springs fan. I make it a point to go there several times on each trip. So on this trip, I went twice to the Boathouse, which is my favorite restaurant in the world, twice to Archsmith's Homecoming, and we went to the Gloria Stefan-owned restaurant Bongo's and to Wolfgang Puck Cafe for lunch one day. All of those were great. 
nothing negative to say about any of those. Uh, there were good shopping options, as always, in Disney Springs. I went to Stance to get some cool socks. I got University of Miami mascot socks, and I got socks with uh, Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian on them, which was really cool. Uh, and then for me, what was maybe one of the top highlights of the trip was meeting my co-host Jack down there at Disney Springs for Ghirardelli's Ice Cream. And I will now turn it over to the man, Jack, to offer his thoughts as he begins his segment of the Chirp Report. For sure. Thank you, Scott. Sure. Ghirardelli's was you know, really good. Obviously, one comment I had about Disney Springs as a whole, and keep in mind this is, this is us traveling to uh, Disney in August, probably one of the busiest times of the year. Disney Springs was absolutely packed. Like besides all the parks I've been to, uh, I was I was at the entire trip. Disney Springs was easily way more crowded. Um, you know, obviously it's probably smaller than the parks than any of the parks were. I like even at the entrance, you know, you couldn't find parking. It took us a while to get parking, and then walking in, it is just like you're bumping shoulder to shoulder with people. The entire time until you find some open spaces. Luckily, when we met with Scott, we found uh, a really nice seat. I don't know how they were open. We found the two nice open areas right on the on the water. They have a little like lake in Disney Springs, and we got to sit right there and eat our ice cream, and it was absolutely amazing. But um, it was just really, really crowded. Um, keep in mind, it was a Friday night when we were there, and Disney Springs has become really, really popular in terms of you know. Uh, younger people going there uh, because they have so many awesome things to offer. But it was just really crowded. But the ice cream was really good, and uh, seeing Scott, like Scott Scott said, was was a joy, of course. And um, then after we had ice cream um, and Scott headed out, we went to one of the uh, stores there. It was one of the uh, Star Wars uh, – I think they're called Star Wars Canteens, Cantinas. And uh, they have two of them at Disney Springs. They have one of them um, at Hollywood Studios as well. Obviously, it's when you get off the ride. And if you're into Star Wars, it is a must-do in terms of uh, shopping because it has tons of products that just I have not seen either on the site or pretty much anywhere else. So one specifically, I I purchased the uh, I think it's called the Force X lightsaber, and it is something that's not available online, um, not available at outlets. It's only available in store in Disney, and it's it's basically a, a lifelike lightsaber. Minus the fact that it, it's not a real lightsaber and can't cut through things, but in terms of like the handle, uh, it actually looks like the, the handle would in the movie. It's to it's to uh, mimic the props that they use in the movie, and so it's it's really really cool if you're a Star Wars fan. And it was only 150 dollars, and um, with the DVC discount, it was you know 20 percent off. Then it's even more affordable. And I was surprised because you see a lot of those um, you know lifelike lightsabers around, whether it's online or at parks, but typically they range. You know, a lot more expensive, like usually 200, sometimes even 500 or more than that dollars. So to see the really realistic lightsabers for only $150, it was a complete steal. They come with a case and they glow up and everything. You could get, um, they call it Ray's lightsaber, but it's really Anakin's old lightsaber. You could get that, or you could get Kylo Ren, or you could get um, Darth Vader's lightsaber. And I got um, Anakin's old lightsaber just because it's so notable. And uh, I'm more of a, a light side fan myself, but um, the, sh- the shops at Disney Springs are unbeatable. And the fact, uh, specifically when it comes to this shop that they have so many uh, products you can't find anywhere else. Um, I hate to quote the TV show, but it's really a must-do Disney to check out the shops when you're there. Jack, let me ask you a question because you were sending us pictures of the lightsaber that you bought, and it is beautiful. It really looks uh, – it's like a piece of art, literally. Um, what do you plan to do with it? Are you going to display it? Are you going to keep it in its box? What is your plan with it? Uh, I plan to display it. I'm actually kind of – uh, bummed knowing now doing a lot of research you really can't find these online unless you're going to buy them on uh, ebay or amazon or ebay mostly and then it's a huge markup i'm upset i, I frankly i would have wanted 
uh, have bought you know another one, if not uh, one of the Kylo, one of the Vader, and one of the the Luke slash Ray lightsaber because they are really such a cool product to find. But it, it's it's going to be on display. But it's just it's it's such a cool product to have. Great purchase, by the way. Great purchase. Yeah, thank you. Definitely. Thank I'm you. jealous that you have that. <laughs> yeah, next time you go, you got to check it out because uh, I haven't seen it anywhere else. I definitely will when we're down yeah, there next time. For sure. Um, so next I'm going to go through Toy Story Land. So for me, this was my first time checking it out. Obviously, it's a new addition onto Hollywood Studios. Hollywood Studios was a, has been having a lot of uh, traction lately, whether it's the new Toy Story Land or the new plans for the Star Wars Land, Galaxy's Edge, I think they're calling it, which is planning to open soon as well. Uh, Toy Story Land was just a really good addition to Hollywood Studios. So if you're a fan of the movies, you're going to love the extra park space. Obviously, they can't do anything like too crazy in terms of the rides because you know Toy Story is more of a, a younger audience, um, or at least a, it was geared to be. One of the coolest experiences was going to see Toy Story Land at night because some of the theming is just made uh, even more um, apparent once you go at night. One of the cool notes I saw is they have like these Christmas lights that are obviously larger, like the ones you'd hang on a Christmas tree, and they hang over the area. And to see them all uh, lit up at night is just a really, really cool touch they've had it added to that side of the park. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they've cut off a, diff- a few different things. When you go traditionally, like you'd be going to Toy Story Mania, there's now a little like uh, a wooden wall, like you typically see when they're doing construction. That you, so you can't you can't go down that like alley almost that usually was had Toy Story Mania on your right. And I'm excuse me and on the left they had like the uh pictures with buzz and woody and stuff like that now instead you go to the right where there used to be um that that one large theater where they sometimes hosted some cool things like i know they hosted a pirates of the caribbean special a while ago and you go down that way and that's where all toy story land is and so obviously some of the attractions are they have the new slinky ride which has been you know you can see clips of it on youtube everywhere they also have the new alien saucer ride and then they have a new entrance to toy story mania um, one cool thing was Toy Story Mania's wait time is down a lot because mm-hmm. of the new Slinky ride and the new Saucer ride to the fact that it's – I think it was like a 35-minute wait time during the day, and it was it was busy then. So that's pretty cool that it has you know spread that out because Toy Story Mania remains one of the coolest rides at Disney. It's just so much fun to be on. Agreed. Um, the Slinky – the Slinky Ride was uh, enjoyable for sure. Honestly, it was a little bit more um, than I expected it would be, considering I thought it was going to be a very kiddie kids ride, but it had a little bit more to it than you'd think. Um, mm. I feel like they just did a couple different things in terms of angles, where typically you're on a traditional roller coaster, you're, you're pretty flat um, the whole way around. I felt like a lot of times it just had you angled on your side to make it seem like a little bit um, more... Uh, of an intense coast than it was, mm-hmm. but it was still really enjoyable. And uh, if you're if you're younger and you're bringing your kids or anything on it, they'll have a great time. But you also have a good time if you're older and just want to check out the ride itself. One ride I hated was the um, Alien Saucer ride. I, I thought that was the, just the biggest waste of space ever ever created. I mean, I guess if you have kids, it's good to have little kids be able to go on something. But it's just so boring. Like you can look at it from the outside and see what it is. It's literally just you're in a, a, in a thing and it just kind of moves slowly in a circle and then sometimes change tracks and moves in a circle the other way. It's just so, so boring. So, so Jack, I'm going to chime but. in there for a second and I'm going to agree with you and disagree with you a little bit on, on that. Uh, I agree with you in the sense that it seems like it should have been more for Toy Story Land. This is a premier area at Walt Disney World. And while it is definitely geared for families, I felt they could have done more with the attraction. So I agree with you on that 100%. Uh, I disagree with you in the sense that I still found it to be fun. So I wasn't uh, as passionate about it. But if I was designing it and chose that type of attraction, I thought they could have raised the intensity a little bit. If you've been on a scrambler at 
county fairs or it's kind of like that in terms of this the motion of the ride but it was very tame it was really tame the scrambler gives you a little bit of whip in there and uh this was it needed to step up a little bit so i, I wasn't as passionate about it as you are jack but uh, i completely understand where you're coming from and i thought they should have done more with it yep yeah i thought like there's just so much space on that side of the park that that ride takes up between the queue and everything and so i thought they definitely should have had you know, just a little bit of a better ride. And that's a, a good comparison. It's definitely like a scrambler. Like I know specifically, I go to Hershey Park a lot and they have one when you first walk in and, you know, it's really enjoyable because it's fast, you know, so it whips you around. And I, obviously they are trying to have a ride that, you know, little kids can go on. So to that degree, it works, but definitely boring if you're, you know, not under five. Uh, Jack, can I say uh, one thing about Toy Story Land here? Yeah, for sure. Uh, when I was there, which was the morning, it was very hot. We, I hadn't had breakfast yet. I went to the food place they have there, which I guess is called Woody's Lunchbox. I, I did not care for it. I thought they could have done a way better job with it. The menu choices were ridiculous in what they were. Uh, for something like that, a place of the park where you're going to have a lot of kids, a lot of families, you would think they'd have basic stuff like pancakes, French toast, simple eggs, and they didn't have that. I had a breakfast bowl, which was scrambled eggs, potatoes, and gravy which is not exactly what you're looking for to be eating in the 90-degree heat or more than that. Uh, they had a, I think it was a Nutella chocolate and marshmallow sandwich, which was uh, almost physically revolting to look at in this type of heat. Uh, and there was just nothing normal on there. They had Bay Bell cheese. You could buy, I think, three of them for $3.79 or something like that. Uh, it was kind of strange, and I thought very poorly planned. I thought they should have done a better job with that in terms of the food choices it was just not normal and what you'd expect for something that's as geared for families as toy story land so that's my my take on that interesting i didn't check out the food but yeah. i'll have to check it out next time we're there it's not that the food um, was bad time. i liked what i had but it just did, it's, it was weird to me yeah yeah next up i'm going to be talking about my trip Obviously, I was in Florida and I went to Disney most of the time, but I also took one day and went to Universal. And Universal, it's an awesome park, but to me personally, it just does not compare to Disney. So some of the good things I saw, Joe's shaking his head, some of the I good disagree. things I saw. Here uh, we go. I love at Universal, we went to the Islands of Adventure last year. We were there. And so this year we decided to go just to the Universal Studios, the, the other park they have there. And uh, it was really cool. Uh, to me, it still does not beat Disney, but there are a lot of really cool parts about the park, uh, mostly in terms of the theming. The theming uh, reminds me of the old uh, kind of uh, city USA area they had in the back of Hollywood Studios. And a lot of times the theming is even better than I saw at some of the, the Disney parks. That being said, my biggest pet peeve with Universal is their rides. There were some really cool rides, like Harry Potter rides, which I'll talk about in a second. But for the most part, the rides were just the same thing with different, uh, you know, like different stories. So for the Jimmy Fallon ride, Simpsons ride, Transformers ride, all three rides I went on, they're all the simulation rides. Obviously, they're not like a, a track and you're moving around physically. It's more so that either you're in place uh, for the Simpsons and Jimmy Fallon ride and they're just moving you around uh, physically in, in, in the same place you were. Or um, with the Simpsons ride, they move you on a smaller track, but it's just moving you from one CGI screen to another. And so I don't know if it's just me personally. I don't like simulation rides, but I absolutely hated them. By the time I got done with the third one, I felt physically sick. I had a headache. It just it just did really not agree with me. On the contrary, I could ride uh, a roller coaster, a traditional roller coaster, you know, ten times in a row and not get sick. So maybe it's just my disagreement with the simulation rides. Um, but I didn't really like that. That being said, the rides were cool. 
Like the Simpsons ride was really cool. The Transformers ride was pretty cool too. Um, the Jimmy Fallon ride, kind of weird. Honestly, I didn't really get the whole the whole plot there. It seems like a, an unfunny skit. But um, one thing I do have to say to Universal's credit, they have done such a good job with the Harry Potter areas. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to explain. You have to really check it out to go there. When you go to the park, at least the one I went to, um, you don't actually see a big Harry Potter area. If you walk, it's, there's different themed areas, and you go to what looks like England uh, or the UK, and then all of a sudden you see the bus uh, that you know the the nighttime bus, whatever it's called, and then to the left there's just a small sliver, and you see people walking in and out, and if you go there, you go around a wall, and then all of a sudden, boom, you're in uh, Diagon Alley. So it was a really cool design how they did it, not making it overt and in your face, but rather subtle, like the books and movies intended. And the theming of that area is just perfect. You know, you feel like you're actually in a Harry Potter movie when you're physically on that property. And uh, between all the different stores, uh, between all the different little things they do, and whether it's get you getting a butterbeer or doing different interactions with, uh, I know you can use a, a wand that you can buy there and actually do interactions with different parts of the area. It's just really, really cool. Gringotts Bank was amazing. Uh, I thought it was way better than the cast just in terms of theming and design um but honestly the, the ride was really cool i went on it twice and the wait wasn't bad it was like 25 minutes i feel like and um overall i i feel like you just could not have done a better area than uh universal did with harry potter so you know complete 10 out of 10 that's pretty much the only reason we went to the park obviously we got to check out some other cool rides but we're we're harry potter hands for harry potter fans at heart which is why we went and they did a great job with it joe your reaction to jack there well, what can I say? I've discussed on the podcast before how I think Universal is a million times better than Disney, in my opinion. Um, it, I just prefer the park, and I think Jack went on the wrong rides. I agree with Jack. I get sick on the motion simulators as well. But you missed all the real roller coasters, like The Mummy, which is my favorite ride in the world, or uh, The Incredible Hulk, or the um, you know they have another roller coaster that's kind of like a rock and roll roller coaster, like the Aerosmith ride in uh, Disney. Um, and there's a couple other rides and obviously the Harry Potter stuff is, is a simulator, but you know, I just, I agree with your thoughts on that, Jack. I think Harry Potter is just unbelievable. Um, no, I've not seen anything that can beat that theming yet. And, uh, there's even talk now about a third Harry Potter park going in there. So I can't wait to see if that happens. Um, but to me, Universal is my favorite, that's my favorite park out of all of the parks in Orlando. I, I would go there over and over again. So I, I, I disagree with your thoughts on that, Jack, but I respect your opinion. I, I think some of that might have been our fault. I definitely should have checked, you know, which rides to hit before I went because it is a little bit, you know, foolish going blind into it because I've heard great things about the Mummy ride, but I was too sick by that time to go on it. But I, I was, definitely want to check I, it out. Like I, I was texting you while you were there telling you to go on that ride. But yeah, I, I know you were sick. I, was too far I, gone. I also get sick. I won't go on the Simpsons yeah. ride or the, or the Jimmy Fallon ride. Um, yeah. yeah. But there are other rides there that are so much better than those. I, and plus the theming to me, is it just makes it that much better for the whole yeah. place. Well, despite my uh, not liking drops, I actually do like the motion simulator rides. Uh, but that being said, the two of you and many of my other friends uh, actually really do get sick on those rides. And if you get sick on those rides, the regular Universal Park, not the Islands of Adventure, but the Universal one, there aren't as many options for you there. Um, that being said, in this debate, I'll just say that I side with Joe. I, I, I'm not saying I like Universal more than Disney. To me, I kind of look at it all as this greatest place in the country type thing where there's so much to do. But I absolutely love Universal. Um, I like it more than you, Jack, and that's okay. That's why 
this podcast is great difference of opinions <laughs> but um let's just conclude on this part by saying we all agree that harry potter theming is amazing <laughs> yeah for sure you can't argue with that no <laughs> and i can't wait for halloween horror nights in a few weeks It'll be fantastic. And I love the fact that today they announced a, a house based on Halloween 4. Yes, and, and a day ago they announced Poltergeist House yes. as well. So that's going to be good. <laughs> so one more thing to highlight – or two more things to highlight from my trip. One good, one bad. Uh, one good is just uh, about the Boardwalk Hotel. So we've stayed there for probably the past 10 years every time we go on vacation. And you know, after a while it starts to become a little bit routine in terms of your enjoyment at the area. But this past trip – I remember when we were just walking back from Epcot one night after the fireworks, uh, you know, walking along the boardwalk, going up to our, our hotel room. And I just remember looking around, like, the boardwalk has gotten so much nicer over the past just, like, two years even to where it is today that it's just such a great place to be, especially on a vacation, because if it is a little bit later, you can go down to the boardwalk area. They have great food, great entertainment. They have, you know, all these different shows where people are doing illusions and tricks and uh, cool stuff like that right on the boardwalk. It's just such a great area. You have the water right there. You can see fireworks from Magic Kingdom sometimes. You can see them from Hollywood Studios. You can see them from Epcot. It's just such a great area to be. And if you do have the ability to stay at the Boardwalk Resort, this is just a friendly reminder that you will not be disappointed if you go because every year it's just getting better and better and better. I love that hotel. I love hanging out there. I yep. did not have a chance to do it on this trip, but I've spent many, many nights there. And it's one of the my favorite places to go in all of Disney World. I really love it. It's a great hotel. So one unfortunate thing that happened on this Disney trip was literally as we were planning to leave. So we went to Animal Kingdom our last day, and it was a great day. We got everything we wanted done. We went on all our fast passes. We went on the Safari ride, the Yeti ride, uh, that, that being uh, the Everest ride. And then we were planning to go on um, the Flights of Passage ride at Avatar. We had already gone on the boat ride in the morning. And beforehand, we had a fast pass at 1.00. We decided to get some food before the fast passes were, you know, available. So we went to the we went to the Satuli Canteen, which is right next to the Avatar area. The food was very good. I got a um, a bowl. It was uh, it was it was like a cool little salad, and it, it tasted delicious. I really enjoyed it. Um, but unfortunately, uh, and this is really surprising for us because Disney is always so good about allergies in terms of telling you if there's any nuts or anything that could be alarming in any of the food. But unfortunately, in this case. My brother's allergic to peanuts and tree nuts, got a salad that did include some form of nuts. I think we're still trying to figure it out, but we think it was cashews. And so uh, he ate it. And uh, at the time, he just immediately he said his stomach was hurting. Um, but, you know, my, my family has very sensitive stomachs, so we figured it just could have been, you know, anything. So he was uh, he went to the bathroom. My dad's sister and I went on flights of passage. Uh, my mom waited with my brother. And when we came out, he was just looking extremely pale. So we decided that it's, we're going to walk to the front of the park, get him some, you know, Benadryl, which they have at some of the uh, first aid stations. And then we were planning on leaving. We we're going to uh, hop in our car, pick up our dog at uh, the best friends pet resort, which I'll talk about, and then head uh, to Naples. But on the way out, we were just walking. Um, my brother, uh, like he got, he threw up. He threw up on the side, uh, on the path along back to the parking lot. And then as soon as he threw up, and this was actually like an hour and a half after, he started uh, going into. Uh, he had he had an anaphylactic reaction where you know your throat starts closing up, oh. and so. Luckily, my mom had an old EpiPen from like two years ago. So she, my sister runs over with the EpiPen. She was trying to get the Benadryl from, it was like located in Africa. So she had to run all the way to the back of the park to get it. She runs over with the EpiPen. Uh, he stabs himself in the leg with it. And luckily it was, it's just not as effective when they're older, the EpiPens, but it was enough to, uh, you know, prevent the uh, throat closure from going any further. Mm. So then we called an ambulance 
And one thing we weren't super happy with Disney with is they don't have any EpiPens there. And so like unbelievable. Say, say we didn't well, that is unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. Say we didn't have an EpiPen. Um, my brother hasn't had a reaction since he was six, just because he's pretty he's pretty good about this stuff and Disney's very good about telling you if there's nuts. Say we didn't have an EpiPen, he really would have been completely out of luck because the response team this the response was not great. Apparently Disney has two ambulances that rotate between the four parks that are just constantly driving back and forth. But the response team was not great. When we called uh, 911, uh, they were they were uh, they directed us back to the Disney uh, emergency services line, so that they have their own one. It was just a really bad day, honestly. At the end of the day, a guy had a seizure at the front of the park at the exit, and he went into cardiac arrest. And so there was already a uh, an ambulance there for him, the, the Disney ambulance. And so luckily they. I mean, unluckily, obviously, but they were there. So they went right from there to Harry along my brother to along the path. And so then they hooked him up, gave him, you know, some whatever to steroids and medicine and got him to a hospital. And, and he he was at, he left uh, the hospital a couple hours later. And we were on our way. But the whole situation was, you know, definitely not fun and not not a great way to end the trip. And uh, we were a little bit upset with Disney, although we've you know gone dozens of times. And Disney's always usually perfect with it just because the nut. Uh, disclosure wasn't super clear at the restaurant. There was nothing on the menu indicating that there was going to be cashews in this salad. It was it was kind of vague, and then uh, the the response just was not great. Like it, it took a good amount of time. It took even ten minutes with the people already there to uh, get him over to our area. So I can't imagine what it's like if anyone did have an accident and you know there's people aren't already on their way. So it wasn't a great situation overall. Well, well, here's what I'll say. Uh, first off, I'm glad your brother is doing okay now. He's doing better. Yeah, he's doing great. He's, he's completely back 100%. Well, that's the most important thing, and that's good. You're right. Disney is known for being upfront about allergy issues and letting you know very clearly if there's nuts in the food. Uh, I'm sure that is what caused his reaction, and they didn't do a good job making you aware of that. So Initially, we didn't really get anyone involved because we thought we could just get him back to the car. We didn't think it was allergies, really. We thought we could get him back to the car. And then, um, you know, drive him. We were, we were just going to drive him home, honestly, and just let him sit it out in the bathroom, whatever. We thought he had a stomach something. But then while, while we were walking back, after he threw up, it was like as soon as he threw up, then he's like, my throat's starting to close. So then we immediately had to call my sister. She ran over. She was, like I said, with my mom with the EpiPen. And then what happened was she was act they were actually making their way to where we were parked on a different path. So my sister ran like across the street uh, where the buses go to try to get over there in time. Mm -hmm. And it was at that time that there was an employee in a cart or something who like was like, you can't run across the street. So that's how we came in contact with people. And we're like, he's having an allergic reaction. We need to call 911. And so initially she called 911 and she's like, they're not answering. And I'm like, well, that's, that's not super helpful. So then I called 911 <laughs> and they directed me back to the Disney 911. And um, But then at that point, they, they had radio people. So there were people coming over, but they weren't people who could help. They were like um, other cast members. Uh, I don't know if they're executives, but there were you know people who aren't cast members who are obviously employees there walking who who were on the scene as well. And so I remember Harry had already administered the the EpiPen, so he was he was just sitting there, but he still wasn't doing great. Right. And I remember like it, honestly, it's not these guys' fault specifically. They don't uh, run corporate policy to dictate whether or not the the parks have EpiPens. But we asked them, we're like, you guys don't have like any EMS on site or any EpiPens on site, like, and they're like, we we don't. I'm like, well, like say this was something like th this could have ended a lot worse if we weren't if we didn't have an EpiPen so it, it really wasn't a great situation overall I was surprised how 
really unprepared they were. I thought just like at the entrance to every park, Disney park, they'd have like a ton of EMS staff, which which is what I figured they have. But it seemed like they really didn't. So I was shocked. Other than that, other than the fact that he had the the uh, issue, the trip was pretty good. But when you put all that stuff aside, <laughs> putting that but aside, it was a great trip. Obviously, we wish that the restaurant would be a little bit more upfront with the the nuts and going forward. Like they should, we already called them and you know, like told them about it. They should definitely be a little bit more upfront about that and hopefully get some more EMS response. It's a good reminder to our listeners who have uh, any allergies just to watch out when you're there and make sure for you sure. Really read those uh, those menus and even ask questions if you have to. Yeah, for sure. And to to turn to a little bit of a lighter note, I mentioned we were going to pick up our dog. Our dog stayed at the uh, Disney on-site uh, kennel, so. It's, it's not really a kennel. It's like a resort for your dog. So our, our dog, Baloo, we decided she, we're going to be in Florida for two weeks. So we decided it's better just to bring her along than leave her. It's going to be more expensive to leave her at home. So we brought her to the Disney on-site um, uh, location. It's it's their pet their pet resort, basically. And it's about two minutes away from the boardwalk, not even with Ubers. It was super uh, easy to get back and forth. She had her own suite. And uh, there was a camera, so full time, twenty four seven. We could log into the camera on our phones and you know check in on her, see how she's doing. We could we could drop a, a, tr- a treat from her from the camera thing that had a little dispenser. Wow! And then twenty four seven, she had a concierge <laughs> as well as she had a Disney movie playing on the screen in her room. She had an outdoor area with a slide. It like, sounds it nicer crazy. than Art of Animation. I was just thinking that actually. <laughs> And uh, so she she loved it, um, and and they're super attentive. Like all the there's, I swear there's like forty people for each dog at that place. It's crazy. You walk in, and there's like forty. Uh, I guess you still call them cast members behind the desk. Like how can I help you? Like so it's a, it's a great place overall. You can also do like day things there if you're if you're native to that area. You can leave your dog there for the day, and they do like stuff like that. So that was a, a really cool part of the trip. We got to visit her a couple times, and then she was she was she had a good time, but. Uh, she was definitely excited to go home after, so it was wow. it was it was really cool. Well, that's a, I like that that I like the way you ended that trip report, Jack. You went from a negative <laughs> story to a to a great story. So uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I'll say this, Jack. Uh, despite the episode that you had, it sounds like you also had a really great trip overall. And uh, sure. I was very excited to take this trip. I really do love going to Disney in the summer, despite the heat. I find it to be a very exciting time to be there. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Joe and I are going to be down there in a few weeks again. Uh, I think it's less than two months now for uh, the yep. Halloween events. So uh, I'm very excited to check it out, and uh, it kind of makes coming home a bit easier. Well, gentlemen, thank you for that very comprehensive trip report. That's probably uh, the number one trip report on a podcast right now. <laughs> Between uh, this now and I your know. Alaska report, we got everything. <laughs> You're right. We have both ends of the country. So, so uh, Joe, why don't you take us into the Stuff We Love segment? Let's talk about some stuff we love. Sure. So I don't know how I'm going to follow that, but <laughs> now it's time for our uh, Stuff We Love segment, which, as the name describes, gives us a chance to talk about people, places, things, really whatever, uh, that's really drawing our attention right now for all the right reasons. So without further ado, let's uh, start talking about some stuff that we love. So I'll begin by uh, pointing out that on Amazon.com, and we're going to link to this on our website, they have their own line of products. They're called Amazon Essentials or Basics. Uh, these are everything ranging from clothes, whether it's T-shirt, polo shirts, and shorts, to travel products. And they uh, have these for reasonable prices. For example, you could get backpacks ranging from 29 to $39. I bought in advance of this trip a, a cord carry case. 
So you, it was a design for all the cords that we have for a variety of devices. And I didn't love it. It was decent. It wasn't amazing, but it was seven bucks or something like that on Prime Day. So I picked it up and I used it to store all of my uh, charging cables and all that stuff. And uh, I have bought some shirts from them. They're, the polo shirts are very nice. I even bought some dry fit polos in advance of this trip, and they hold up very well. They wash well. And uh, is something unique that Amazon offers at reasonable prices. So that is the Amazon Essentials and Basics Collections. Check it out on our website. We'll link to it. Joe? Yep. I just want to say I have a lot of Amazon Essentials and Basics, and uh, it's they're really great buys for low price and you know, they're not going to last forever, but they are what they are, and they really it, – it's definitely something everybody should check out. Yes. Uh, so what I want to talk about on Stuff We Love is a new show. Well, not really a new show, but season two of a show I've been watching on Netflix called Luke Cage 2. Uh, this is a Marvel-related uh, show. It's about a character named Luke Cage uh, who was a Marvel character in the comics from the 70s. He's still a current character now, and it's set in Harlem, New York. Uh, if anybody watches any of the Netflix Marvel shows or reads their comics, they know that they talk about these areas of New York City as if they're entire cities or even huge states because they're just that big in the comics. So if this is set in Harlem, and it, when you watch the show, it's, it's almost as if Harlem is, is New York. That's all it is. Um, and it's about a uh, a guy who is bulletproof. He was the subject of some experiments, just like any Marvel comic hero, but the show is fantastic. They've just put out season two a few weeks ago, and I finally got around to watching it, and it really is an awesome TV show. The music in the um, in the episodes are great. Each episode features a live performance of, um, you know, some jazz or hip hop or something. And when Luke Cage goes around beating people up, they always have a great soundtrack, um, Wu Tang Clan and things like that. It's so the music is really part of the show, and the acting is just it's so over the top that you have to love it. And I'm really loving that show right now. So that's definitely something that I love on Netflix, Luke Cage, and it's season two right now. Very cool. The product I love for the Stuff We Love segment this week is the Herschel Backpack from Herschel Supply Company. They're a company who offers everything from T-shirts to handbags, and I've recently become enamored with their backpacks. So obviously there's been a lot, uh, a trend of increasing tech backpacks, you know, where they have like battery packs and all that stuff in the bags. And so Herschel kind of just takes a step back and just has a really uh, cool looking bag with a ton of different options. And so that's something I'm, I'm really enjoying. And I, I bought their backpack uh probably a week ago to use for school this year and uh, i'm excited to check it out when it arrives because it, it looks awesome and it has a ton of cool features so yeah i like herschel they're they make really uh, good products i'm looking at it right now it is available on amazon actually yeah a lot of this stuff yeah nice very cool well guys this has been a, a really fun episode to record i enjoyed talking to jack about his trip and tell you about my trip I'll take you through some of the places you can find us online on social media. We are on Twitter at Stuff We Love Pod. We're on Instagram, Stuff We Love Podcast. We've been posting a lot of stuff related to our recent trips. We have a Facebook page where we also post content. Please be sure to like us there. Our website is StuffWeLovePodcast.com. You can learn about us. You can read about previous episodes. We have a series of blog posts, which we'll be updating soon. And uh, we have a products page where we link to uh, things that we talk about on the show. If you click on our Amazon links and you make a purchase through those links, uh, it helps out the show as well. So we really would appreciate that. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel with new videos being posted pretty frequently, including several from the recent trips we've been taking. Uh, you can write to us, stuffwelovepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and please leave us five-star reviews on iTunes. 
uh, we uh, really do appreciate those reviews and it makes it easier for other people to find the show. So uh, that's it for this episode. Thank you all for listening. Uh, I am Scott. I'm Joe. And I'm Jack. And you've been listening to the Stuff We Love podcast.